1 Corinthians chapter number 11, verse number 17. If you're there, say amen. Amen. Look at verse number 17. It says, Now in this that I declare unto you, I praise you not, that you come together not for the better, but for worse. <laughs> I just said that. There's churches that come together and it ain't better, it's worse when, they're, when they come together. Well, that's something new. I, Paul was dealing with in the first century church. For first of all, when you come together in church, I hear that there be divisions among you, and I partly believe it. For there must, also, must be also heresies among you, that they which are approved may be made manifest among you. Verse right there says that sometimes God will let people show their, show their real selves and show what they really believe, just so you and I will know what's actually true. Not always fun, but it is necessary at times. Look at verse number 20. For when you come together, therefore, into one place, this is not to eat the Lord's Supper. For in eating, everyone taketh before other his own supper. One is hungry, and another is drunken. What? Have you not houses to eat and to drink in? Or despise you the church of God, and shame them that have not? What shall I say to you? Shall I praise you in this? I praise you not. For I received of the Lord that which also I delivered unto you, that the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. Paul wasn't there that night when they had the Feast of Unleavened Bread, where what we call the Lord's Supper. He wasn't there that night, but it was delivered unto him. It was taught to him, and he observed it himself. And what we do as a church body when we observe the Lord's Supper is the same thing that Paul did in his day, the same thing the first century church did. It's the one thing we know for sure where we can identify with them. And he, when he had given thanks, he break, or excuse me, verse number 23, for I received of the Lord that which also I delivered unto you that the Lord Jesus the same night in which he was betrayed took bread. And when he had given thanks, he break it and said, take, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. After the same manner also he took the cup, which when he had supped, saying the, this cup is the New Testament in my blood. This do ye as oft as ye drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as ye eat this bread and drink this cup, ye do show or show the Lord's death till he come. Wherefore, whosoever shall eat this bread and drink this cup of the Lord unworthily shall be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. For he that drink, eateth and drinketh unworthily, eateth and drinketh damnation to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this cause many are weak and sickly among you, and many sleep. For if we judge ourselves, we should not be judged. But when we are judged, we are chastened of the Lord that we should not be condemned with the world. Wherefore, my brethren, when you are come together to eat, tarry one for the other, one for another. And if any man hunger, let him eat at home that ye come not together unto condemnation. And the rest will I set in order when I come. Let's pray to Heavenly Father. We thank you again for this evening. We thank you, Lord, just for your sweet presence tonight, Lord. Lord, it's not something we manufacture. It's not something that we, we work up ourselves. Lord, we just simply come hungry. We simply come seeking you. We simply come wanting you to work in our hearts and to help us from your word and to encourage us and strengthen us and challenge us and convict us. God, to have your holy work in our life. And Lord, the Bible says that, Lord, you inhabit the praise of your people.
God, you go where you are wanted. And Lord, you make yourself known where you are wanted. And we sure are grateful tonight for you doing that for us. Lord, we do believe and we hold fast to the fact, Lord, it's all in vain unless you meet with us. Lord, we don't want a religious exercise. Lord, we don't want to just go through the mechanics and the methods and miss you. Lord, we need to hear from heaven tonight. And Lord, as we deal with the subject of the Lord's Supper as a church body of believers, Father, would you just work in our hearts tonight, Lord, the importance of it, the significance of it, the reality of it tonight. Oh, what a blessing it is, God. What a, what a wonderful institution that you've given us to practice and to follow. We pray, Lord, you give our church a heart right, the, the, the right heart and the right spirit concerning this, that, Lord, it may have the right work in our hearts and our lives. I ask you tonight, Lord, you'd hide me behind the cross of Calvary. Help me, Lord, to preach with the power and the demonstration of the Holy Ghost and the power of God tonight, Lord, as you see fit. Lord, I just want to say thank you again for the church. Thank you for South Haven Baptist Church, Lord, the privilege it is to be their pastor. And I thank you, Lord, for the way they love on my family. Lord, we don't go home at, at night and wonder if they love us, Lord. We know that they do, and we are grateful for that. Lord, we love you. We thank you. We'll give you all the glory and all the praise. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. Last week we looked at the initial Lord's Supper there in Matthew chapter number 26, and we saw the pattern and the purpose of it through the symbolism and through the, the symbols that Christ used tonight, and it's going to be brought back up again as we get into Corinthians, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter number 11, but we, we looked at that last week with the Lord and his, his, his death. And just like with baptism, right, we are, we are given instructions concerning baptism of, of how one and when one is to be baptized and how are they to be baptized and why they should be baptized. And the same is true about the Lord's Supper. We are given some instructions concerning the Lord's Supper tonight. We're going to look at those this evening and then uh, not next week because we won't have evening service, but that next week we'll look at the issues concerning the Lord's Supper and then from there on we'll schedule it out and we're going to have the Lord's Supper as, as, or partake or observe the Lord's Supper as a church family. And so you just be praying for between here and now that the Lord would work in your heart and give you the right vantage points and the right viewpoints concerning that. But tonight as we look at the, the instructions of the Lord's Supper, there are they're not necessarily uh, detailed in the sense that uh, you should do it every third Thursday, right? They're not laid out in that sense or that when you stand up and you have the Lord's Supper that this should be on the left side and that should be on the right side and everybody needs to sit on this side or everybody needs to sit on that side. Those are not the instructions that are given to us here in 1 Corinthians, but really the instructions that are, are given to us out of uh, this chapter of the Bible tonight help us to realize the importance of the Lord's Supper and what it is and what it is not tonight. We see, first of all, the Lord's Supper is to be a significant thing. It is to be a significant thing, verses 18 through 20. Uh, <laughs> well, I tell you what, I, I, we always talk about, man, I wish I could go back to the days of Paul and hear Paul preach and hear Paul teach and hear Paul uh, live and watch Paul live for God. A part of me says, I wish Paul was alive today. I wish Paul had Facebook today because Paul didn't play with it. Paul didn't hide behind, uh, hide behind, what's the word I'm looking for? Politeness and, and political correctness. And Paul would just, as the Lord leads him, he said, well, God told me to say it, so I have to say it. And so he would say it. And I could imagine if Paul was alive today, I could see him typing on church's Facebook posts and typing on, on preacher's Facebook posts and saying, that ain't right. <laughs> 
you are far off there. <laughs> and I really think if Paul was alive today, not as many people would like him as they say would like him because he did not play with it. He laid it out here. Look at verse number 18. He calls the church of Corinth out in a letter. And we also know that this, wasn't, this was a letter directly written to Corinth, but it was also passed around and read to other churches. Look at verse 18. Paul said, for first of all, when you come together in the church, I hear that there be divisions among you. Then what he said, and I partly believe it. Paul said, I, I don't want to believe it. I wish it wasn't so. He said, but I know y'all good enough. And I know how y'all operate. He said, I partly believe what I heard is true. And so he didn't give this church the benefit of the doubt. He partly believed what he heard. This church had noticeable and recognizable divisions. It, was, it wasn't just within the church that, that it was going on. It was being seen and observed outside of the church. Can I say tonight when division comes in a church and there's, there, there's, 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 there's animosity and there's, there's, there's clear cut anger with one side and other, it's split down the middle and, and this is the good side, this is the bad side, you need to pick a side. Can I say not only does it affect what goes on in here, but though it'll also help a church have a terrible testimony in the community. A lost person will drive by and say, well, that's how they act down there and that's how they uh, uh, carry themselves down there. They ain't no different from me. And I say, this ought to be a house of unity. And so we see here tonight that Paul said, listen, before I even get on the subject of the Lord's Supper, there's some things y'all need to get straightened out. There's some things that y'all need to get fixed. And so if things are not right within the church, those things need to be resolved before you partake of the Lord's Supper. They need to be dealt with. They need to be fixed in that sense and come back together where they're supposed to be. And if that be the case, that negates the idea of a scheduled Lord's Supper or a, in essence, this is, well, it's the third Sunday of the month, so we have to have the Lord's Supper, right? If that's the case, then it needs to be clearly defined that yes, we're gonna do it on this date and this time as long as the church is in good standing and as long as we are unified as a body of believers, then yes, we will do that. But if that's not the case, we don't need to play games. We don't need to just go through something and, and go through the motions because, well, that's what you're supposed to do. Paul said, oh, no. He said, well, what y'all are doing isn't the Lord's Supper. He said, one, first of all, because there's divisions among you. He said, but then also because you're not treating it as a significant thing. You're not treating it as, as, as the way God designed it to be treated. Look at verse number 20. When you come together, therefore, into one place, this is not to eat the Lord's Supper. What the church of Corinth had begun to do, they had begun to have meals at the church, and it quickly got out of hand. It quickly got out of uh, just besides fellowship, but now they're trying to tie a spiritual thing. This is the Lord's Supper. Paul said, no, y'all are just eating. Y'all are just eating the meal. And can I say, when we partake of the Lord's Supper, it is not a fellowship meal. It is not just a mere meal or a snack when we come together because we're, 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 you know, we're trying to hold ourselves over until the service is over. Give me my crackers and give me my drink of juice. It's not what it is. 
Paul said it's something more significant to that. We're not to treat it as such, as, as just a, a, a fifth Sunday fellowship dinner, because really, look at verse number 21, those fifth Sunday dinners have a selfish uh, a theme to them sometimes. Since it's for an eating, verse number 21, everyone take it before his own, oh, not me, preacher, I would never, I would never eat before somebody else. <laughs> now, I'm not, I'm not meddling tonight. I'm just trying to help you see something because I'm guilty of it too. How many have ever come through the main course table, you know, the, the three long tables, and you've got your plate full, and you sit down in your seat or you go to sit down, and you say, oh, before I sit down, I got to go to the dessert table. I got to get my nanner put them before it's gone. <laughs> oh, we just found ourselves in verse 21, didn't we? For in eating, everyone taketh before his own supper, and one is hungry and another is drunken. Do you know that's, that's the interesting thing about fellowship meals? There are some people that don't get enough. <laughs> they were too late to the line, and everything's been cleared out. And then there's some that they get too much. They're drunken in the sense that, that they, they have got more than their, their fair share. <laughs> and Paul said, listen, if y'all just going to get together to eat, he said, you don't even have to come to church to do that. Look at verse number 22. What? Paul said, don't y'all have houses? Have you not houses to eat and to drink in? And you, or despise you the church of God to shame them that have not? Paul said, that's how you're going to be if this is nothing more than a get-together. He said, don't do it at church, do it at the house. He said, Lord, supper is more than that. It's more significant than that. It's not just a, 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 a fellowship meal. Look, at, He goes on to say in verse, I think it's verse number 22, he said, I praise you not. He didn't even say, listen, y'all are, are trying, right? Y'all are putting a good effort. Well, there's just a few things you got to fix. Paul said, I can't even say good job because you're not doing a good job. Paul said, you've allowed something that our Lord and Savior instituted and gave us the pattern. He said, you changed it all up and you're still trying to call it the Lord's Supper. It's the same thing when they changed the Bible. It's the same thing when people change convictions and standards and, well, the Lord told me to change his word. No, he didn't. He said, matter of fact, go read Revelation. I always wondered that. How do you, how do you retranslate the Bible <laughs> with the book of Revelation in it? Just a curious thought. But notice this, the Lord's Supper is to be, I'm, I'm preaching about the Lord's Supper, <laughs> not Bible translations. Get together, preacher. But it's to be a significant thing. And my heart's desire is that when you and I partake of the Lord's Supper, it doesn't just become a, 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 it's the third Sunday, so we have to do it. But it always holds that place of significance in our hearts and in our minds because what it symbolizes and what it reminds you and I of is something that should never get old in our life. And what is it? Well, it's the death of the Lord Jesus Christ. That should never grow old in our minds. That should never become, well, you know, I've heard that enough. I, I need something more. I have nothing more to offer you tonight than the gospel. The death, the burial, and the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. I, I've yet to find anything greater than that. And so tonight we see it's to be a significant thing. Paul said, y'all are treating it like just another meal. He said, y'all are calling the Lord's Supper. He said, but it ain't that. He said, well, it has to be a significant thing. Notice number two, it, to be, it, it ought to be a serious thing. It ought to be a serious time. Verses 23 through 26 tonight, he takes them back to the original. 
He takes them back to the initial where we, where we were to remind us that when Jesus met in that room with his disciples, it was a serious thing. No doubt, I, I firmly believe that Jesus enjoyed fellowship with his disciples. I believe Jesus, he was 100% God, he was 100% man, and I believe they shared laughs. I believe when they got together for a normal meal that they, 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 they enjoyed each other's company and, and they fellowshiped with the Lord and, and maybe they, they talked about things they had seen and things that they had watched the Lord do and they reminisced about it. Boy, Jesus, you remember that time blindboard? Boy, that man would not be quiet, would he? He just kept crying out, crying out. People told him to hush and he just kept, and Lord, you healed. Look, don't you remember that, Lord? The Lord's like, yes, Peter, I remember that. And I have no doubt they fellowshiped here. But we can go back to Matthew 26. Remember, we noticed that atmosphere change in that upper room. They had went from remembering what God had done for Israel and Egypt to Jesus said, when are y'all going to betray me? One of you going to turn your back on me. One of you are going to sell me out. And it wasn't until after that that they partake of the, the, the bread and the juice. But notice here, Paul reminds us that the initial Lord's Supper wasn't a festive or a funny time. It ought to be a serious thing. There's times in our life, it's called discernment. I, I enjoy laughing with the, most, with the next person. I enjoy being funny. I enjoy making people laugh, whether it's at my jokes or at my expense. It doesn't, I enjoy that. But there's also times where I realize Joking, ain't, it ain't time for joking. It ain't time for laughing. For instance, just today, I, I sat in that room and it wasn't time for joking. It wasn't time for being funny. It wasn't time for, for well, let me make everybody laugh. It was time to pray. And it was time to ask God to comfort hearts only as he can. But as we were walking down and walking Miss Kitty to the car and she was just saying how much I loved that man. He was just so nice to me. And she said, I just loved holding his hand. And I said, Miss Kitty, I knew that he loved you. She said, how, how do you know that, preacher? I said, we still talk about that kiss he planted on you at the wedding. <laughs> and she started to smile. She said, yeah, that was a big one, wasn't it? <laughs> but can I say, that was the right time. In the hospital room wasn't the right time. And can I say, there's times where we'll get together and we'll laugh at church. <laughs> Hang around us long and we will either laugh with you or at you. But can I say, when it comes to the Lord's Supper, that's a serious thing. It's not a flippant matter. It's not, it's not a joking time. It was serious. He dealt with betrayal. He dealt with sin and heart issues. He dealt with his suffering the bread that represented his body that would be broken for all of mankind. He dealt with his sacrifice, his blood of the New Testament, his blood that would be shed for every person's sin. He got real serious real fast. And yes, we rejoice and celebrate what Jesus did for us. I'm going to be the first one to say, thank you, Lord, for saving my soul. Thank you, Lord, for dying for me. I'm going to raise my hand. I'm going to say amen. Well, preacher, I just don't like it when you do that. I'm sorry. I'm not quitting. Can I say tonight, I'm going to celebrate that. I'm going to rejoice in the fact that God would save somebody like me, but it never should become something that we don't take serious or it loses its reverence. We are doing this for one reason, and that is to remember uh, in remembrance of him and not necessarily us. He was serious about his death. 
So should we be. We should be serious as well as we partake of the Lord's Supper. It's one of those where you sit and you think. Mom and Daddy ever told you, I need to go sit and think about what you did. And I say sometimes it does real good for me and you to sit and think about what he did for us. And, uh, and, and not just in, the, in saving us, but go back and read the Gospels and read physically what he went through. I remember reading behind somebody, they said if, if Jesus had merely been man, he'd have never made it to Calvary. He'd have died when they scourged him. He'd have never made it to Pilate's Hall. He'd have never made it to the buffeting. He'd have never made it uh, up, up the hill. He'd have never carried his cross. That man said, we know he was 100% man because he bled, but we also know he's 100% God because he made it to Calvary. And he laid down his life. It is to be a serious time. He was serious about our sin. We should be serious about his death. Then notice number three tonight. It is to be a sincere time. It is to be a sincere time. Verse 27 through 33, Paul pulls back out. He says, in verse 26, for as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you do show the Lord's death till he come. Just like resurrection, excuse me, just like baptism, the picture of the gospel, the death, the burial, and the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord's Supper, we, every time we partake of it, we'd show the Lord's death. Here's what he did for me. But also be a sincere. Tell look at verse 27. For wherefore, whosoever shall eat this bread and drink this cup of the Lord unworthily, unworthily, shall be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. Now, some people will tell you that word right there is unworthy. Can I call time out tonight and say, ain't none of us worthy? <laughs> if, the, if, that, if our Bible said unworthy, well, we'd just be talking about the Lord's Supper. Because ain't none of us worthy of partaking of it. But your Bible says unworthily. Or unworthily. Unworthily. That word means irreverently. It means with the wrong heart, the wrong attitude, and the wrong mindset. It carries the idea of one who blasphemes. One who... who, who Yes, you know it, but you don't accept it, but you're going to put on and pretend so that way nobody notices. He said it's to be a sincere time. It's not something that we do irreverently. I'm not going to stand up here and flick out crackers to you. We're not going to necessarily you know, have, a, have a wonderful time in that sense, but it ought to end in a good time. And when we're talking about that, we'll get to that. But notice that word unworthy means irreverently. Verse 27 says, For whoever shall eat of this bread and drink of this cup irreverently, unworthily, shall be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. Here's the thing. When you don't have the right attitude towards the Lord's Supper and what it symbolizes, you, are, you may not stand up and say it, but your actions are declaring that you, it's just a big game to you. It's, it's, it's not that big of a deal that Jesus Christ, who knew no sin, died for me. And the Bible said when we don't have the right heart about it, there uh, we don't realize the image that we are putting off. And really that translates to the entire Christian life. When we just do things because that's what somebody else told us to do or we just do things to keep the preacher off our back, can I say tonight that's a dangerous place to live the Christian life. Like we talked about this morning, God ought to be our motivator and he ought to be the one that is working in us and through us tonight. And the same thing comes with the Lord's Supper. It is not to be an irreverent time. It's not to be an irreverent time. 
Notice verse 27, irreverent attitude towards Christ's sacrifice. Verse 29, we see that word again. For he that eateth and drinketh unworthily, eateth and drinketh damnation to himself in not discerning the Lord's body. In essence, those tonight, we don't, they, don't, they don't understand the dangerous ground they're on when they mock and make fun of what Jesus Christ did for us. We live in a generation and a time through social media, a lot of times we can see this stuff, and a lot of it turns my stomach. A lot of it, I mean, it, just, it breaks my heart because these people don't know what they're, what they're mocking and making fun of. These people don't understand that the very thing they are ridiculing can absolutely, totally, completely change their life. But at the same time, as they blaspheme and as they reject and they push it away, they don't understand the dangerous ground that they're on. We know tonight that no man, that, 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 that God sends no man to hell, but every man chooses. So verse 29 tells us that when those who eat it and drink it unworthily, that irreverently, they're, 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 there's no change in their heart. They are, they are just doing it because you know, it doesn't matter to them. It's just religious to them. That's a dangerous place to be. Verse 28, the Bible says, examine yourselves. Verse 28, but let a man examine himself. And so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. Can I say when we partake of the Lord's Supper, we're going to give time before the bread and before the juice to take time to examine yourself. Lord, search my heart. David did it, said, search my heart. See, there be any wicked way in me. God, deal with the things that, uh, Lord, in my heart that need to be dealt with because, Lord, I understand when I partake of this, I am, I am identifying with your death, and in your death you paid a debt that I, I, that I owed, and you, you made salvation possible to me, and, Lord, I believe you can help me with anything, and you can change my life, and, Lord, don't let me hold on to what needs to be resolved and fixed. He said, examine himself. And so let him eat of that bread. Tonight I wish, well I wish, I wish tonight I had the ability to open up people and see their hearts. It would make pastoring a whole lot more simple. It'd make being a Christian a whole lot more simple. It'd be making friends, it'd make things a whole lot, hold on a second, let me check your heart. <laughs> I can't though, but God can. And there's a time where you need to step back and say, all right Lord, search me. Search me. And Lord, I, as I partake of this, and Lord, help me to do so with a clean heart and a clean mind. So, but let a man examine himself. And so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. So we see an examination. Be honest with God and yourself. Verse 31 can be avoided by verse number 28. Verse 31, for if we judge ourselves, we should not be judged. In essence, when we take the time and say, all right, Lord, judge me. We talked about those balances. I think it was in the book of Proverbs, how God, we ought to put ourselves in the balance and say, God, do I weigh out? Lord, judge me, and I want to judge myself. That way we're not judged without. Verse number 32, but when we are judged, we are chasing the Lord, and we should not be condemned with the world. And we see that tonight, it's playing out. It can be avoided by practicing verse 28, because if we don't do 28, we might find ourselves in verse number 20, 32. Now, we already talked about tonight what Paul talked about. He said, your testimony outside the church is terrible. He says, there are visions among you, and I partly believe it. We see it, so it plays back, it leads back to verse number 32, and, and we partook of the Lord's Supper. We did our religious obligation, and the world drives by and said, what's wrong with those people? 
Why are they just playing the part? But when we, comp- when we complete and we observe verse 28, as we partake of the Lord's Supper, it helps lead us to verse 33. Wherefore, my brethren, when you come to- together to eat, tarry one for another. And as tonight, it gives us that humble spirit that we're supposed to have. <laughs> we don't treat it like the fifth Sunday dinner. Preacher, hurry up, give me my cracker before they're all gone. I know we ain't prayed for you yet, preacher, but I'm, we ain't prayed about it. But I'm going to go here and grab my, my, my juice before it's gone, preacher. But when we observe our hearts and we judge ourselves, we'll get up and we, we can't force nobody. But what was, I've got my heart right, have you? Because I want to take this thing in unison and in unity with you. It gives us the right attitude. Wherefore, my brethren, when you come together to eat, Tarry one for another. And if any man hunger, let him eat at home. That you come not together. In con- and Paul said, listen, some of y'all are going to get it. Paul said, some of y'all going to understand this. You're going to search your heart. You're going to get it right. The Lord's Supper is going to be meaningful to you. It's going to be significant, serious, and sincere to you. Paul said, but some of them ain't going to get it. Some of some aren't going to understand it. He said, go let him eat at home. Go let him eat at home. <laughs> Paul said, they're going to get upset with you because you're going to stand up and say, listen, what, y'all, what, we, what we've been doing ain't the Lord's Supper. So we're going to do it the way that God designed it to be done. Like, I ain't going to do that. I'm going to go eat at my house. Well, go eat at your house then. Paul said, go, let him go. In rest, in the rest, I will set in order when I come. <laughs> How many like to be in the church at Corinth? <laughs> Paul said, when I get there, I'm fixing to straighten some things out. Paul didn't listen to Bible college. They told him, when you, when you ever visit another church, you ain't there to straighten them out. Paul said, when I get there, I'll set everything in order. We also know Paul was a main institution, the church of Corinth, and had a lot invested in it. But notice this to be a sincere time. It gives us the right attitude. So when we partake of the Lord's Supper, it ought to be a serious thing. It ought to be a significant thing. And it ought to be a sincere thing. It's not just, yes, it's an ordinance of the church, but it ought not to be treated as something that is ordinary. It's, it's the Lord's Supper. We're going to go through the motions. Preacher, pass out the bread, pass out the juice, say a few prayers. All right, let's go home. No, when we partake of it, we ought to stop and say, as you hold that bread in your hand, you ought to be reminded of what Jesus Christ did for you. How his body was broken, his skin was ripped, his beard plucked out, thorns driven into his forehead, nails and hands and, nail, or hands and feet nailed to a cross. You ought to be reminded of that when you hold it in your hand. Can I say it's not a flippant thing? I'm not against Christian movies, but I'd encourage you to get in your Bible and as you read it, say, God, give me, give me, the, give, give me the, the picture in my mind, Lord. Or let me see it for myself. Let me see Calvary in my mind's eye. I don't want to just see what Mel Gibson had. I don't want to just see what Chosen had. Lord, let me see it for the way you want me to see it. And as you take that juice, be reminded of that blood that was shed. That blood was shed. And preacher, we all know to talk about blood. It makes me queasy. Can I say tonight, if there was no shedding of blood, there's no remission for your sins. And so as you hold that cup in your hand, you ought to be reminded that every drop was shed for you. And every drop was placed on the mercy seat of God. And the reason why we can get together, the reason why uh, we can rejoice and shout is the fact that he shed his blood for you and I. As we hold that cup and hold that bread in our hand, that's what we're, we're not just identifying with it, but we're remembering it. 
we're remembering it. It's not just, all right, I'm good to go, preacher. I did the Lord's Supper. I've done my religious activity for the day. No, it ought to be a special time. It ought to be a serious time, a sincere time, and a significant time. So we've seen the initial Lord's Supper. Now we've seen some instructions about it. The next time we meet, we're going to look at some issues concerning the Lord's Supper. Let's pray to Heavenly Father. Lord, we thank you. We thank you, Lord, for tonight. Thank you for our Bibles.